0: It's always great to have Lon uh, Lanhee Chen on the show. he is a candidate for the State Controller of California. He's a David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Uh, Lanhee, great to talk. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, guys. Great to be with you. So uh, you're a numbers guy, and you're running for a numbers-oriented position, and, and we want to talk about that in a couple of minutes. But You know, shortly before he passed away, Rush Limbaugh said there is no longer a constituency for fiscal conservatism. Nobody wants to hear about it. And certainly if you look at the last couple of administrations and and Congress on both sides of the aisle, it looks like he's right. And I just wonder, I know you're not a fortune teller, you're a a domestic policy expert, but with, with the hyperinflation, the rampant inflation, the brutal prices, working people struggling just to put food on the table at this point, Is it possible we'll have some sort of national reawakening to the idea of living within our means? I think it's entirely possible, especially when
1: you uh, understand that part of the reason, I mean, a big part of the reason why I think we're experiencing this massive inflation in the country now is because of policy decisions we've made and decisions that are directly related to incredible amounts of fiscal stimulus and spending. Obviously, the Federal Reserve has had something to do with that as well and with their easy money policies for a very, very long period of time. But if you put that aside for a minute, I do think people look at the environment and they recognize that um, we can't continue to pursue this pathway we're on. The pathway that we're on has led to record inflation. And it's not just things that, you know, people don't buy. It's it's basic commodities like gas and milk, uh, household necessities, even travel. I mean, I, in fact, the single biggest component of uh, of indicators looking at the rate of inflation, the single biggest increase has been in airline travel in terms of how much we pay for airline tickets. I think a 40 percent increase year over year. So this is stuff where people will look and they'll say, OK, what's happening? Why is our economy doing this? And the answer is quite simple. It's because nobody's been there to sound the alarm about the way and the nature of our spending.
2: If inflation continues for a while, though, and I think it will and the Republicans take over, will the president still get blamed or will the Republicans start to uh, take the, uh, the heat for it? Because whoever's in charge tends to get blamed for a bad economy.
1: Yeah. And and the problem, of course, is that even if the Republicans win, you know, one or two chambers of Congress, nothing's going to happen. because Whatever they would want to do, the president will will be against and vice versa. And, and, you know, we're kind of stuck in this difficult cycle for the next couple of years. Who takes the political blame? I mean, I think part of that is how the politics get played out by both sides. But. I think that the reality is both sides need to wake up to the fact – and by the way, Republicans are are just as guilty over the last couple of years of not being fiscally responsible, of not understanding what happens when you pump all this money into the economy, of being in favor of policies that unfortunately have driven up our debt and have driven up uh, the amount of spending. But if if you put that aside for a moment, I I do think that both sides have the potential to get blamed if this gets worse because now both of their hands are dirty, and they have to understand –
2: Yeah, well, just one of the reasons I wanted to bring that up is um, uh, I heard some other pundits discussing this, so this is not my original idea. But you would think with inflation at a forty-year high, crime like we haven't seen for decades, Republicans would be running away from this thing as with this thing with this election all over the country, as opposed to just a slight advantage. So, what's going on there?
1: Well, it's complicated. I mean, I think in different places, the the economy is kind of playing in different ways. I I do agree with the notion that the economy is going to be the top issue in this election. I think you see it here in California. You see it in other states. I, I think in other states, there are issues, you know, whether it's crime or some of the social issues that do rise into that top three, top four. But fundamentally, I think the polling doesn't reflect where people are on the economy and how dominant it is going to be i I think people are going to be surprised by uh how predominant it is and as a result i do think republicans in many of these house races are going to do well i think in many of the senate races they're going to do well there's a few races where where there's some candidate issues but i do think overall the economy is going to be a much more significant issue then people are giving it credit for. Because I'll tell you, when I'm out there on the campaign trail, that is all I ever hear about from people is why does stuff cost so much? Why are we headed for recession? How did we get here and how do we fix it?
0: Hey, speaking of polling, uh, how do I phrase this question? T- how well are pollsters, how, how good a job are pollsters doing these days in actually reflecting the support, uh, for Republican candidates and, and ideas? Uh, there's a widespread perception among folks who are on the right side of politics, and I just mean, you know, average everyday folks, that, um, that, that conservatives are much more hostile to polling in general, so don't cooperate. Is there any truth to that?
1: Yeah, I, I do think there's some truth to that. I do think that there is, uh, th- there are a couple things going on. First of all, I think that pollsters are getting better at actually finding people. So for a period of time, as people were shifting from landlines, the cell phones and their internet use was increasing. Pollsters had to accommodate the shift in how to reach people. But also they had to figure out how do we conduct uh, internet polling or online polling in a scientifically valid way. And I think that shift you know, has happened over the last couple of years. I think it is it is essentially complete now. So I think they've gotten better at that. The problem that you're talking about, sort of response bias, you know, who answers the questions, who answers them accurately, that is a very, very real problem. Uh and I think if you talk to pollsters, they'll tell you that they have a they have a challenge in terms of measuring where right leaning Republican, self identified Republican voters are, because that is it, it can be hard to get either a real answer or any answer because there is this distrust of the polling industry, uh, particularly amongst uh, some conservatives. So it's a, it's a problem. I think it's getting better. I think that it will be addressed more and there are scientific ways to correct for some of this. And so hopefully we'll have more accurate polling data, but you know, the toughest question to answer is like, you know, what do the polls say? Because the reality is polls are kind of all over the place a and B, it's not clear they're a, an accurate representation of where the electorate is, particularly to your point on the right of center side. All right.
2: I don't know if you've been listening to or reading what your friend Sarah Isger has been writing in the Dispatch about issue polling. She says it's almost completely a waste of time. Do you agree or disagree? I mean, it's just well, it's so much yeah. about the way you phrase the question and who you sample. Exactly. And-
1: exactly. So so issue polling is it's unique, sort of has unique difficulties because it is based on how you ask the question. And it's also based on whatever your your respondents understanding of the issue is. Right. And, and and then it becomes deeply kind of like a personal thing. Right. So If you ask them a question about tax cuts, they may or may, may have had some experience with the tax code or some experience with a small business or whatever that that affects their view of the policy so that you're not actually getting a true representation of the feeling about the policy. You're getting a, you know their feeling about the economy or something is mixed into how they feel about that policy. So it, it is hard. It's always been hard to pull the shoes, by the way. I mean, that's not a new concept. Uh, I do think that it, it makes it harder for policymakers to really understand where the electorate is and to have public policy that's responsive to what the electorate wants. Uh, but, but it's not a new problem, and it's one that certainly is out there.
0: So uh, I have a question about the office you're running for, and I will reveal to the listening audience my secret motive in asking uh, after you answer. <laughs> but you're you're running for California State Controller. What the heck does the State Controller do?
1: The State Controller is the fiscal watchdog, uh, the person who's supposed to give accountability for every single dollar that they spend. So if you think about California as a $300 billion a year enterprise, that's how much we spend every year. Uh, this is the the person that's supposed to give us accountability and transparency for how that money is spent. But more importantly, is supposed to tell us how the spending is working. Is it achieving results? Is it not? And so it, it is a particularly important position at a time when California is spending more than ever. And some of our challenges here, whether it's homelessness or public safety or the state of our public schools, some of those challenges, I think, are bigger than they've been at any point in my life.
0: The idea of the government of California taking time to make sure it's spending money wisely and efficiently. I'll donate my next two paychecks and a kidney if that will help you. I mean, because it's so important. (laughs) So here's here's my secret motive in bringing this up. Off-year elections and so-called down-ballot races are important. And I just want to convey to the listeners... The forces that would turn wherever you live into another California or make California even worse, they turn out their people to elect controllers or attorney, uh, city attorneys, county attorneys, uh, attorneys general, that sort of thing, school boards. We've all learned how important that is. Show up and vote, especially in the off-year elections. Awesome.
1: I agree. I agree totally with you. That's hugely important. And, and you, you mention a lot of these, these races. I mean, the school board races are critical, but also the the, the races for these down-ballot offices. We have eight statewide constitutional officers in California, and all of them play an important role, and people need to understand and study the ballot and, and make informed decisions.
2: Should you be controlling the fact that the Los Angeles Dodgers with a $214 million payroll are attempting to buy a World Series championship? <laughs>
1: oh, jeez. Listen, listen. It's not. There's no such thing as buying a World Series championship. They're going to go out there. They're going to go out there and earn it. They're going to go out there well, and earn it, and me, I have every confidence they're going to win this series. I always, I
2: always like it when people say this sort of thing because I've been a, you know, following this angle in sports for a long time. The Mets, who didn't make the playoffs, have the number one payroll. Uh, The Padres, who are the young upstarts trying to take on the Dodgers, have the fourth highest payroll in all of baseball.
0: (laughs) There you go. I was going to say, what are you, a communist? It's a for-profit business. Hey, we're up against a break, Lonnie, but it's always great to talk to you. Lonnie uh, Chen, candidate for California State Controller with the Hoover Institution, Stanford University. Uh, Always a pleasure, sir. Stay in touch. Great to be with you. Thank you.
1: Armstrong. slash iHeart.